Alright, forget the nonsensical uh, intros and all that nonsense. Forget the setup, forget the segments. We're just going to get straight into it. Uh, so, Georgia against Auburn. Uh, you saw the uh, the title. Um, look, listen, if I curse, man, I, you know, I curse. You know, it's a podcast where the language gets kind of explicit. So, if you're not ready for that, you know, it might happen. But I'm not really mad about this game. I mean, you can kind of see from jump that it wasn't going to be one that ended well for Auburn. Um, just got dog walked on defense. Uh, guys literally just ran past dudes on defense. Kind of reminiscent of the uh, first game. Uh, that didn't fre- fre- frequent. Uh, that didn't feature traps um, on Sharif Cooper. And Auburn just kind of got what they wanted. Ran up and down the court. Uh, I think three balls pretty dead in that game. And yet they still like 90 points. So. Let's show you how that one went. Um, this one, just polar opposite. Whole team came in, got whatever they wanted on offense, whenever they wanted it, got enough defensive stops. Uh, I would say that, you know, the talent level made to where Georgia couldn't just blow us out. I mean, Auburn, for better or for worse, Auburn has enough individuals that are at least mildly talented to where they can't really get just beat the hell up by. Uh, a not very talented team, and you know Georgia has some. Georgia most of their talent is frequented in the um, the the front court, uh, the back court, not the front, the back court, the, the guards. Um, Katie Johnson was great. Um, Savion Willer, who apparently played with a bad back, was great. Um, I mean, they run a three guard lineup, and all of their guards did pretty well, even the backup ones. Um, and if it wasn't the guards just kind of getting whatever they wanted, the forwards would just come through and clean it up and get an easy put back or space out and get an easy three. Uh, they got to have what they wanted. It was like a trick on the streets in the, um, <laughs> in the, the mid eighties, bro. You got, you got a little bit of, a little bit of uh, money for us and we're going to get to busting. And we, we bust open pretty quickly in this game, uh, bust open and often 39 points given up in the first half. To only followed up with 52 points given up in the second half, 50% from the field goal uh, given up, and then 43.8% given up from the three. Uh, and if you take out the 0 for 1 performances by McMillan and then the 0 for 1 performances by Garcia, it would be 7 of 14 and another even 50%. Um, and then 22 free throws given up. We won the free throw battle narrowly. However, we tied in free throws with the two more attempts, so it was kind of a you know, stalemate of that, but yeah, just an ass kicking. Um, Auburn looked completely lifeless uh, from many avenues uh, on this roster. Um, Flanagan looked horrible once again. Um, his defensive stock has just had to have plummeted uh, in the past. In the past, what? Past two games? Past three games? I mean, he came in supposed to be a comparable. You know, in the same world as a defender as uh, old, uh, old Isaac Okoro, but he is very clearly not in the same league on defense. And uh, also, you know, it, it, most of his value being had, most of the reason why his value is rose the way it has is because of his offense development, you know, being able to be more of a creator, a self creator, um, being more of a, a shooter. Uh, in Don Conference, I, mean, I think his percentage is pretty damn high from three. Uh, the Gonzaga game being the primary exemplification of that. But 
uh, as of late, I mean, just listless and lifeless out there. Uh, three ball was once again very low percent. I mean, they're always gonna give you about thirty percent from three, uh, but the shot selection is just momentum killing. Uh, Jamal Johnson finally got going, and like after he got a couple innings, just started pulling whatever he wanted, how, how, wherever he wanted, and that was ungodly. But what can you do? JT Thor 0 for 3 just kind of disappeared on defense. Uh, not defense, but offense. Didn't have a great day of defense either, but definitely disappeared on offense. What I think, what I think Bruce Pearl's D, uh, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling. I'm still sleepwalking out here. So what I think the scheme here does a pretty bad job of doing is getting and allowing for Fords to get going offensively. Now, when it came to Okoro and Okiki, there were a lot of um, kind of post-ups near the high post and the elbow that were comfort spots for them, and they kind of worked off of that. JT gets a few of those every once in a while, but I feel like outside of that, I mean, it's just long stretches where, like, if it's a pick and pop, he made the ball, he may not. If it's a pick and roll, which usually isn't ran for him, you know... Again, I, I, I usually, I, I, I usually don't even see. I don't know the last time I've seen JT Thor run a pick and roll. It's been a hot minute. If he's getting something going to the rim, it's going to usually be in transition. Um, but yeah, just not a lot of plays ran for him at all, even in times where, like, you know, when Chris Moore wasn't getting the ball and Flanagan was in, Cooper wasn't in, your most talented offensive player at that point would either be Jalen Williams or Thor, and Thor just wouldn't even be looked at. Now, I would say the pl- the places I'm thinking of where you would set him up at is where Jalen Williams is also good at. Jalen Williams has probably been the best offensive player on the team for the past couple of weeks. So, there's that. Uh, Cooper, um, nine assists, had a couple of easy ones missed. As I, 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 if, if he was playing for like a legitimately good offensive team, he would average 12, 12 assists minimum every time. I, honest to God, minimum 12 assists. I think we just blow so many easy ones that it just ends up looking how it does, where he'll end up with eight assists, nine assists, and you look at the the, the film uh, for the missed ones, they're just like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Um, Cambridge was a gunner, uh, two of four from three. Uh, Cambridge is just not good at laying the ball up. Dude. I just don't know what to say. He's just not great at laying the ball up. But he is probably the Hardest working player on the team overall in this game, other than maybe Chris Moore. Uh, I would say Cambridge worked pretty hard. Cam- uh, Chris Moore gave the team life at a certain point. It looks like a pretty good uh, pot, uh, pip, 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 pip cheerio. <laughs> Pick and pop big at this point, which is, for the life of me, I don't understand why they don't run more things to get, like, like let's say... You have a guard and a forward on the weak side, or the the other side. Let's not even say weak or strong side. The other side of the court from where the guard is at, the lead guard, the ball handler, and you have uh, a setup to where you get, let's say, more in Jamal Johnson. Usually, they run the off ball screen. If they run off ball screens, it's not even very consistent at this point. But if they do run an off ball screen, usually it's to get Johnson's man caught and then get him open. I say do that for Chris Moore and do that for Javon Franklin, do that for uh, Jalen Williams, who clearly appear to be the most, the closest to consistent three-point shooters right now. Flanagan's a brick master. 
Jamal Johnson has to take like 12 to get one shot in the goal. And Cambridge, I mean, <laughs> uh, so, so I'm thinking at this point, like the Fords, you know, the reason why this team roster was appealing to me is that they're supposed to have had multiple guys that were good floor sh- spacers. And if you have the clogged paint that we currently have, as we do, keep on feeding those guys off the 1-4, uh, 1-5 one one pick and rolls. I mean, they do it sometimes, but they do it with like, Jalen usually gets a pretty good couple of opportunities. Now, sometimes if it's not Cooper in, they won't look at him. But usually Cooper gives him. Cooper also gave one up to JT Thor in the latter half of this game where they were trying to make a comeback and he um, he missed. That was a uh, tough. It was, a, it was an open one too. But I mean, run some of those tests for Chris Moore. Run something from Javon Franklin. Javon Franklin's movement is like it's like he comes in. And he runs the he's like a two guard look on the top of the uh the top of the arc. And then he'll just come in, grab the ball, you know, do the dribble handoff with Cooper to get his mount to Cooper, and that's it. That's the end of Franklin's interaction. I mean, a pick and pop, like but I don't I don't think we've ran that with Franklin yet. If I can remember, I don't think I've seen that look yet. Chris Moore, I don't think we've ran it from the top of the key as we do a la, you know, Jalen and all the guys I mentioned before. I like to see more of that with them. And period, I just like to see Franklin more and more. I mean, no pun intended, but like they they are some of the more energetic guys out there. You can see when like Jamal Johnson is going through the motions on offense or Flanagan's just listless on uh, on offense. Thor isn't being used. Put Franklin or Moore in more often. I mean, they I, I can't for some ungodly damn reason, ESPN doesn't have it listed the minutes they each play. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but for whatever reason, they, they don't. And I could tell you, like, Franklin probably played less than 10 minutes, I would say. Maybe less than that. I mean, he played five minutes against Baylor. You know, he was the best player. May, okay, I would say definitively. But maybe the best forward other than Jalen that Auburn has had in the previous two games, three games before that Baylor game. It makes no sense to have him, who's also a legitimate guard and wing defender, as well as being a decent post defender to not have him on the court for at least 10 minutes. So, I mean, if I had to take some takeaways, because I, I want to get you guys out of here. Uh, number one, Poro definitely needs to stop being so rigid with his lineups. He's been rigid with his lineups since jump, since being at Auburn. Uh, seniority is a, a big thing with him. Uh, being, quote-unquote, a leadership dude, that matters a lot to him. Unless you're just, like, far superior than the guy ahead of you, a la uh, Akimbola and JT Thor, it just, you're not getting burned like that. And it just, it pisses me off. Because, I mean, if you're looking at the just what is happening on the, the, the court right now, Flanagan needs to be benched to get uh, of just a, a cold splash in the face. Jamal Johnson, I don't think both of them needs to be benched. I think one of them needs to be benched, one or the other. I think Flanagan being benched would probably help the second unit quite a bit. But Jamal Johnson, uh, okay on defense, solid, still solid on defense. You know, I think the better game, he... Yeah, but everybody was bound to bail the game at, at guard defense. But, uh, you know, the guard solid on defense. But, like, I'm looking at Franklin. Franklin's a better defender than this dude. So, like, yeah, he's a appears to be a decent, at least at least as decent a shooter. He's not the type of shooter. Like, multiple types of shooters. There's guys that come off of screens that put in, like, kind of, you know, off the dribble with the reason, kind of pull up and, like, kind of like the a la JJ Redick. That's kind of close to Jamal Johnson. 
Franklin's kind of like just a set and just shoot uh, way bigger dude, but Ursan Ilyasova, he's going to get find his spot uh, somewhere. Hopefully, you know, his man loses him trying to defend the guards, and he's going to be there. He's going to put a shot up. But, like, what's the point of having a more mobile shooter if, like, he's not good? <laughs> I mean, like, I would say, I would suggest if it was me, based on what I'm saying, I'm not saying I know the game more than Bruce Pearl. I would never say that. I would never say I know more than the coach. I don't. But if I was looking at just the results on the court, I would say that you have to at least try inserting Cambridge into one of the two, either the two or the three, one of the wing spots, just based on the products being put on the court right now. Flanagan is clearly out of it mentally. Jamal Johnson is clearly offensively challenged at this very moment, although he is giving a lot of things outside of that that I can see why you would warrant keeping him out there. He, he is, even, he's one of those guys that even though they are not hitting, they still warrant some level of respect and spacing. Baylor didn't do that to a certain degree at a certain point, but for the most part, the squadron reports are going to say you have to defend Jamal Johnson. You have to at least respect him, which helps Cooper, helps the spacing out. But at this point, I mean, guys do double off of Jamal Johnson and provide help. So if that's happening, that means they don't respect him too much. So uh, I would say, I would say bench. Flanagan and start Cambridge, but I think more realistically, it'd probably be Jamal going first. But one, the two needs to be uh, deposed, demoted, and allow somebody else to show up. I would hope Javon Franklin, but I would imagine Cambridge. Uh, number two, the defense has been woefully um, bad at, at the fundamentals. Uh, there's a couple guys that are individually like pretty plus defenders. I feel like Thor, even though he got like a shoulder put in his chest a couple times by their forwards and kind of got to the rim. Still, I would say a plus defender. Uh, I mean, they, it was even touched on the first, like, two minutes of this game by the one of the announcers. The guards on this team, you know, when you have bigs that are, like, accumulating a ton of blocks, the the guards start, like, just kind of allowing guys to funnel out because, A, they don't want to foul, and, then B, they think the guards or the bigs can just get all the blocks in the world. When that doesn't happen, as it did in this game, they only got seven, uh, you got a lot of pretty uh, pretty foul setups. A, you get a lot of foul setups, and then B, you get a lot of easy, you know, chances to the rim because not every big is fast enough to get out there and close out well without they themselves fouling. And I, you know, the way I'm looking at it, Cardwell had two, but he kind of just kind of flew a little bit on th- on on D. Uh, Chris Moore had three. Uh, Akinbola had two in very few amount of minutes. Uh, Thor stayed pretty foul free, and so did Jalen. But like guys are being put in bad situations because the guards are literally just like allowing just themselves to get blown by, and you know that that's that. Uh, number three, the easy ones just consistently missing uh, the past couple of weeks or past couple of games. I would say uh, today, I think they had like at least five or six blown layups, and that's probably an understatement. Just easily blowing up. Um, when you or easily getting blown out when you like can't figure out a way to get the easy layups in, nor the open three pointers. I mean, this team is at a dearth of creative finishers at the rim or even decent ones. Um, you think, uh, what's his name? Uh, fucking uh, Cambridge. Cambridge is bad at like if you can body him up a little bit, he's bad at finishing at the rim. Uh, Jamal Johnson. Another one that's not very like he can hit some decent mid ranges and uh you know floaters, but like as far as actually laying the ball up against the glass, not amazing at it. Uh, Jalen did really good around the rim. 
Cooper had a couple of missed ones, which has been a troubling trend for a couple of games. Maybe just tired legs, something like that. I don't know, but yeah, these guys, they got to stop blowing the easy ones. They, they're, it really is troubling at this point. That's it for me. I don't want this to be this long, but I just had, I guess, a lot of thoughts uh, watching our Tigers get uh, ransacked <laughs> in the, in every kind of capacity. They they got pillaged. Arvin Arena got pillaged. They came into they won and got the hell out of there, and hopefully that doesn't happen again, but uh, they got a really tough stretch to close the season up. And without Justin Powell, I can easily see three, four more losses coming. Hope y'all enjoy it. Peace.